0: It's time for Coffee with the
1: Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. And we're here and we're on episode number nine of our new podcast where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and... More chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton. I'm talking a ton of coffee, but most importantly... We hug our chickens every day. And kiss them, too. Don't forget (laughs) to hug your chicken. (laughs) Today, we're brewing coffee from a local coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Hollyann, what kind are we brewing today? I think that was straight Colombian coffee. Straight Colombian, strong coffee. If you love great coffee and scones and are local, head on over to Coffee, Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Here we are, again, mid-January. Got <laughs> the January blahs. Blah! <laughs> it's January. What have you been up to? Pretending that I'm happy that it's mid-January. I know. We always say we're not going to complain about weather, but... Really? Uh, we're talking about when we can start putting up more sheep fencing. Nice. Sometimes soon, I hope, but you know how it goes. And I'm trying to figure out what chicks I want to get this spring. I'm really going crazy here. I've been thinking about chicks a lot too, but I'm like one day closer to spring every day we go through in January. Right. So I'm like, oh, it's cold, but it's one day closer to spring. (laughs) Come on, come on, come on. I've got like two or three breeds that I'm obsessing over. and I can't make up my mind. Well, you got to do that. You got to make up your mind. Tell Pete, Which kind of chickens he's going to get He's no help. He's no (laughs) help. He's not helping me. He's like, whatever you want, honey. You know what else I've been doing a ton of is reading. Yeah. I know when you got Click With Your Chick. Yes. And then I bought Click With Your Chick. Uh Uh-huh. For Um, $6 cheaper, I I that Cyber Monday deal, man. (laughs) So... I've been doing a ton of reading. Uh Uh-huh. And I was reading her book. It is amazing. It is amazing. I think it is the only book in existence about chicken training. It opens your eyes, which mine were already open about how smart they are. We were talking about the wonderful Jeannie Keys. Yes. click with your chick. That is an amazing book. That one that we've been reading. Right. I mean, it's the best time in the world to go out, freeze your butt off, take care of the chickens, and then come in, get under a nice toasty blanket. (laughs) Well, Jeannie will talk a little bit about what time of year is ideal for chicken training when we get to that interview. Yes, she will. But for right now, you go out, freeze, and come in and put yourself on a blanket. And read. And read. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I want to do is take a minute to tell you about Iowa Blue Farms. It is a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural chicken treat company in the Midwest. And we love those women-owned businesses. We do. Double thumbs up. They make 100% all-American oven-dried black soldier fly grubs for all kinds of poultry. So whether you have chickens, turkeys, geese, anything you have, they're going to love these grubs. And we've been saying this all along. These chickens know this blue bag. They do, they lose their vibe, and they see it. They see it and they're like, wagging their little tails, looking for (laughs) a humming. So this time of year, you wanna start making sure your chickens have lots of protein and lots of calcium because they're gonna start laying eggs again soon. Right, the grubs are an excellent source of concentrated protein and calcium for your winter layers. I mean, nothing's better than a nutritious treat that you can feel good about and give it to them a little bit each day. Yeah, and that, that means they have a big boost in nutrition. So as we head towards spring and the giant egg season, they're in great shape. And your eggs won't be, say you drop one, they'll, they won't break on the ground. So well, that's a fantasy that I could get behind, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> So if you haven't yet. Egg <laughs> yeah. If you haven't yet, go over to their website at www.iobluefarm.com and check out their selection of grubs and great feed and always baked with love. Shipped with care and shipping is always free. Always free. So why don't we move on to our da, 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 da. Breed Spotlight? Breed Spotlight. So So our breed spotlight this week is an old and really beautiful breed of chicken. We're going to talk about the Andalusian. I was amazed when I was looking up about the Andalusian and looking online at at pictures of this chicken. The more and more chickens we really research and look into, the more you're like, like you were saying, can't figure out what you want. Right. I want them all. I want (laughs) them all. The chickens. So the Andalusians are, are, they're really beautiful. They are a Mediterranean type chicken. They have blue feathers. They have blue legs and white earlobes. Every chicken that we—it's like these white earlobes keep coming back at us. They're really fascinating breeds, the Mediterranean. They yeah. are, and I'm loving them. And you know what? They are gorgeous. They mm-hmm. have the blue feathers, blue legs. It's like it's like blue feathers with like a darker blue penciling. They're it, gorgeous. Love legs. Mm-hmm. So they're most likely derived from Castilian chickens from Castile, Spain. In Spain. They may have developed in the uh, Andalusian region of Spain. Okay. But they also could have developed in other areas of Spain and simply been exported through a port city in Andalusia. Right. That's a possibility since so many breeds are named after geography. And they've been here fairly long time, since 1800s. (laughs) Right. So they arrived in the U.S. somewhere between 1835 to 1850. Right. Scholars think probably closer to the eighteen thirty five. They were an early entry into the American Poultry Association. The Blue Andalusian was accepted in 1874. Wow. Mm -hmm. The hens are excellent layers. Medium-sized white eggs, three to four a week. I would not expect anything else but that, being Mediterranean. And like the other Mediterraneans, the hens rarely go brooding. So if you decided you wanted to breed the Andalusians, you would want a broody breed or an incubator. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to pick another. Mm -hmm. Hey, one of my Orpingtons would be, like, gladly raising her wing. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sit in the box for a while. Right. I want babies. I will do it. I will do it. The other thing that we were looking into is that they do resemble the black Spanish, Mm -hmm. which is one of our favorite chickens. And if you haven't heard our episode, our very first episode, we talk a lot about the black Spanish. In episode one, right? Yes. So this chicken kind of resembles the yeah, other one. Yeah, they do. The Livestock Conservancy notes that the Andalusians resemble the black Spanish in body type, but they're often as much as a pound less in weight, okay. which makes them a smaller chicken. They have a straight comb, and the hens have this adorably floppy comb. <laughs> which A lot of the Mediterranean breeds, the hens have Fluffy coat. It's such a jaunty, cute little thing. It's charming, and all Andalusians have slate blue legs and feet. So cool. Yeah, so here's where it gets really interesting with the, with the blue Andalusian. They were developed by breeding black birds to white birds. Okay, I can see that. And so that means that they won't always breed true as a blue bird. So if you breed two blue Andalusians together, about half of the offspring will be blue. Okay. About 25% will be black, the other 25% will be white, and somewhere mixed in with that black and white, you can get Splash, and the Splash and illusions are gorgeous. Oh yeah. But if you're trying to breed true blue, you just have to be aware that- It's a luck of the draw. It, right, only half of the offspring is going to breed that true blue. <laughs> you're like blue. sitting there, the eggs like, come on, come on with your fingers crossed. <laughs> So, like the other Mediterraneans, Andalusians are excellent foragers. They're very, very active, mm-hmm. and they love to free range. Yeah, yeah. They're a very heat hardy breed. Again,
0: The Mediterranean very is very warm. Mm-hmm.
1: They do not fare well in very cold climates. They have big combs. They're skinny. Yeah. They don't have a lot of body fat to keep them warm. Right, smaller body type. So much mass. Right, exactly. And those combs, we need to protect those combs from the cold if they're going to ha- if we're going to have them up here in the north. Just a note, I'm not sure how many people realize this because chickens are so stoic, but frostbite is very painful. Oh yeah, I can't imagine. All the I mean, nerves that they have in those combs and waddles, oh, yeah. you might just see a little spot and think that's not a big deal, right. but it's quite painful to the chicken. It's always good just to coat the combs when it's anywhere near in the low 30s right. with some green goo, Vaseline, anything that can help protect, protect them. Protect it, right. And then if you're in a climate where the temperature is getting so low that the blood vessels in the comb and waddles and the feet will freeze. Might be time to flip on that cozy coop heater. Yeah. A safe heating option. A safe heating option. It's good. They'll get into it. It's new technology. It's much safer than anything Heat else. Keep your birds comfortable and, and don't let them develop horrible frostbite. So a um, bird like the Andalusian would do very well in southern U.S. states. Yes. Or either coast, especially, I'd say the mid-Atlantic. You do know. Do I mean, you think the mid-Atlantic might be a little too cold? Well, I did... Or is it like the leghorn? The leghorn does fine. My leghorn yeah, does do fine. Yeah, they do great, but I think you need that winter protection. That's you the one caveat need. for it. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to get your hands on these absolutely beautiful chickens, my pet chicken does have limited numbers of chicks okay. available. You can also check the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory. Right. Since they are on the Livestock Conservancy's conservation list. You can go to the breeder's directory, right. plug in your zip code, find if anyone nearby has chicks or hatching eggs. The Sandhill Preservation also sells breeding stock. It's a cool, cool chicken. They're really, the more I look at them, the more beautiful I think they are. So now I'm like, Andalusians, white black Spanish, Sicilian buttercups, Chabas. The more we look at more Jabbas, chickens, the more that we just say, we want all the we chickens. We want all the chickens, so... Yeah. Okay, so what this leads us to is we're going to kind of move on from this. Speaking of Andalusians, the person that we recorded an interview with, Jeannie Keys, who actually wrote the book, Click With Your Chick, that we've been reading. Yes. And Andalusians, that's her, her chicken. Right. She loves these chickens. And Jeannie's wonderful. She loves chickens in general. Right. She loves the Andalusians. It's a really great interview. It's a really great book. It is. I mean, we highly recommend that you give it a read. It's so good. So what we're going to do is now play that interview that we pre-recorded for you. And here she is, Miss Jeannie Keys. Thank
0: you. I'm so excited that you found me. And I found you. And this is great. I'm so excited to talk about chickens.
1: Yay! We love talking chickens all the time. So both Holly, Ann and I have your book, and then we started talking, and we were like, we have to talk to (laughs) Jeannie. We have to.
0: Thank you.
1: So you're a professional dog trainer. Yes. And you have chickens, so you just decided the natural progression of things would be to work with your chickens?
0: Yes. So I actually got chickens originally to help better my timing and observation skills in my dog training
1: okay okay
0: because you know chickens are quick and you can't just pat them on the back and say good chicken and have them go hey that's awesome right you know have to keep them engaged and you have to keep them wanting to be with you you're not holding them on a leash kind of forcing them to mm-hmm. be with you so you have to really keep them engaged so that was the main reason that I got chickens and then pretty much every single person I've ever spoken with that just gets chickens ends up loving their chickens mm-hmm. seven eight years later <laughs> here I
1: am with they're a, they're a totally but, lovable animal that is so much smarter and has so much emotional capacity, much more than people give them credit for, which is well, going to lead me into the my, our first question is, how intelligent do you believe that chickens are in the world? You know,
0: it's crazy. I, I once was speaking with a woman that had chickens, and she had a really great analogy. So she said, you know, chickens' brains are about this big, but they're like a little computer chip in what? their brain that's been evolving for millions of years. And so chickens really know well what they need to know. So when you're training a chicken, it's amazing to see them work through problems and figure things out. Oftentimes, you know people will just happen to ask me about chickens and 10 minutes later I'm like oh but you're sorry that you asked me about chickens because I'm still talking (laughs) about them but the main thing that I love to just profess about them is their intelligence
1: exactly
0: people have no and I had no idea frankly before I got them I mean I assumed that they were semi-intelligent animals they've been around long enough so they should be right but you know just like with a herd of cattle Them as a herd, you don't think of them as individuals. You don't think about what goes on in their minds. But when you take one chicken and you even just spend a small amount of time with it, observing it, hanging out with it, you can see that they're clever. Mm
1: -hmm. It's so evident. They're really, really smart. I mean, they actually—they're actually fearless, also. And they get this bad rap of "your chicken, you're scared of everything," and it's the opposite. (laughs) Right. I see it with mine. Every single one has a different personality. That's for sure. They really do. The, and the, yeah. the whole reason I found your book is because I was looking for something to guide me on actual training roosters. Mm-hmm. And so, because I have a few rescue roosters. And so that got me thinking working with the rescue roosters and the fact that you're a dog trainer, which is actually easier to train, a dog or a chicken? That's
0: a great question. It's definitely falls upon the individual, but I would have to say in general, it is easier to train a chicken.
1: Really? Now, I would believe that Mm -hmm. because I feel like chickens, honestly, are so
0: intelligent. Yes, they are. You know, and and you have to obviously do it within the limitations of being a chicken. You know, I'm not going to ask a chicken to do something that they physically are unable to do. And I'm also going to be aware of chickens you know, like with hens, I'm not going to try to do my training time with the hen who normally lays her eggs at that time of Right, time. sure. not going to take them, you know, after it's dark out and try to do work with them because they're, they probably will work fairly well for you, but that's not, you know, you have to recognize how to set them up for success. Sure. And so one of the reasons that I think that training a chicken is easier than a dog is because... They don't initially have that emotional connection with you. Or maybe even a better way to say it is we don't have an emotional expectation.
1: Right. Okay.
0: You know, like with a dog, people talk to dogs in sentences mm-hmm. and baby talk. <laughs> and the dog, the dog's like, I've got all this stuff coming in. But when we work with a chicken, we stand still. We're quiet. We have our clicker. We have our treatment. You know, Yeah. So the, the chicken doesn't have to worry about all these different outside factors. Definitely don't have to initially worry about the emotional aspect of it.
1: Right. So it's, yeah, I, and don't it's, know,
0: I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's just, you know, one of my observations.
1: Sure. I love it. It's just, it's so fun to go to see every individual chicken and an, and an individual personality.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: some yeah. that like to sit on you and some that just look at you like, you're here to feed <laughs> me and that's it. Yeah, So. Totally. In your training, did you find that there was the easiest breed to train, an easier breed to train than other different, different breeds or kind of all the same?
0: Yeah, so I kind of fall back on that. It definitely depends on the individual because, you know, when I got Sprinkles, she's a Bantam, and typically Bantams are not the easiest to train because they're uh, pretty flighty and, you know, every little sound they're like, what's going on uh-huh. this- so I think maybe I have had anomalies with my chickens because I've had fantastic luck with a few of my bantams. My all-time favorite chickens to train have been Andalusians. My awesome. two favorite chickens in the whole wide world, a blue Andalusian and a splash Andalusian. Wow. Really, you could see them figuring things out, and two seconds later, it would be figured out. It was amazing. Wow. That's awesome. awesome. But, but there you have it. They're typically a flightier bird, so somebody might not automatically assume that that would be an easy bird to
1: train. They're definitely put into that Mediterranean. Right, Mediterranean We talk about so this well. all the time. Mediterranean breeds tend to have this expectation that everybody expects them to be flighty. And I have yeah. one little leghorn, white leghorn, named Lucy, and she's anything but. She's the sweetest little thing, so... <laughs>
0: I think some of the harder breeds might be the Silkies and some of the Orpingtons, like the birds that are really kind of sweet, but there's not a lot. Of <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and you know, be like, you know, pets and, you know, first, first chickens for kids and stuff like that. But if you really want to get hardcore into training and you want a quick chicken that's going to get it, maybe not start with one of those. <laughs>
1: That's what I have a lot of, and it's kind of like (laughs) I have a lot of Orpingtons.
0: You prove me wrong, then. You can prove me
1: wrong. I'll (laughs) I'll have to send you videos. Yeah, that would be awesome. I really want to see how the Swedish flowers would do because they are generally very smart chickens. So I'd like to do some of this with my Swedish flowers. And I think Lucy would do really well. Probably. So, Jeannie, do you have an ideal environment in which to train a chicken?
0: Yeah, so... I actually like to train my chickens in the house. I like to take them out of the barn. I, te- I like to take them away from their flock because if I'm working a chicken in the barn, they're thinking of 10 other things to <laughs> at sure. time. So I usually start with crate training my okay. chickens and I've found that after I work with a chicken for a couple days on crate training, they are, number one, they don't have free food whenever they want. I'm now the one giving them their food. Okay. And so that can help me out with my timing because I'm not going to be successful in training a chicken that, that's full, right? sure. Oh, right. Food, food
1: is the ultimate reward, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you know, my, my husband has come to understand that Sometimes I have a banquet table set up in our sunroom and <laughs> usually a chicken nearby somewhere. So yeah, I bring them right in the house and train them. Now, I really don't do a lot of training in the winter with them because we live in Wisconsin and I don't want to mess up their cycle of being able to stay warm Sure. outside. Yeah. So most of our training is done in the spring, summer, and fall.
1: Now, is there an ideal age that... Training a chicken would come in. Do you want to start as young as possible, or say you get an adult chicken? Can you start training at that age also?
0: Yep, you can start. See, and this is another reason why they're easier than dogs. There are ideal times to be training, or ideal ages to be training dogs. You can train a chicken of any age, even a little baby chick that's, I mean, I probably would give it more than a couple hours, but. Literally, if it's a day or two old, they're eating, you
1: can train them. I love it. They're I amazing. Love it. They're just the most amazing creatures.
0: They are. I mean, like,
1: you don't train them to go up in the coop when it starts to get dark. You don't yep. have to train them. Right. They instinctually know we yep. need to be protected. Right. Walk That's up the ladder cool. and go into the coop. Like, the things that they have done, I've had chickens for over five years, is amazing to me. I mean, right. that's the number one thing that I got from them is their intelligence that me I did too. not know. I mean, I've had chickens for 20 years and have argued with people for 20 years about how intelligent chickens really are. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So roughly how long does it take to teach a chicken a new trick?
0: Well, it depends on the trick. So I usually like to start with my basics. You know, the the tricks that I like to teach chickens are behaviors that my chickens are going to do anyways Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so the first thing I like to start with is pecking at a dot and so I just take like a little piece of paper uh, a little plate and I put a little dot on it with a magic marker and I know that my chicken when I place her on the table is going to start pecking at things oh yeah (laughs) so I start clicking and rewarding for pecking at anything even if it's not the dot and then once she gets closer to the dot, I stop rewarding her pecking away from it, and now I'm only rewarding her pecking. Okay. It. And then eventually I'm only rewarding her for pecking the actual dot. I can tell you on average with chickens that I've trained just that one behavior, maybe two to three sessions. Wow.
1: Well, well. And then how long is a session, would you say? Uh,
0: two to three minutes. Wow. (laughs) That's
1: amazing. They're so smart. They're so smart. Yes. I love it. And then to go towards the dot is basically teaching them to go peck at a different target for whatever reason to say, you know.
0: Yep. Basically, it says if you peck at that dot, you get a piece of food from my hand or from from the container that I'm holding. I can't tell you, sometimes I'll put a chicken up on the table and I will just go. I can't believe really this! Like, <laughs> you just got it, you know, how <laughs> no, stinking smart they
1: are! It's amazing. Oh, oh. I have one that is having a little health issue right now with a potential ear infection, so I've had to pull her out. And she'll go out during the day, and at night I was bringing her into a crate to sleep because she her balance was off. Oh sure. And now she's feeling better, but she still is crying at the gate and won't go up in the coop. And when you open the gate, we have three acres and we're on the coops are on the back. She runs the whole length of the yard (laughs) to the garage and gets in the crate to sleep. And it's only been like two weeks that we've been doing this and medicating her. She's that's what you were cracking up the other day. It's very funny. It really is. I mean, she just goes. She's like. I'm not going in there. Are you crazy? I'm a house chicken now. I'm <laughs> coming to sleep in the crate. Yeah. Yeah. you
0: crate trained your chicken. And you didn't Pretty much. I-,
1: <laughs> I think that's what happened. And it was a matter of two weeks. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I can tell you with Sprinkles, when I was doing the book, so we were taking a lot of pictures of her, you know, she spent a long time in the house with me. She was our house chicken. And you probably will believe this, but most people I say do not believe this. She was potty trained. Oh, I can yeah. – I totally believe it. Yeah. Yep. She wouldn't mess in her kennel, and I would open up her, her crate, and literally, just like a dog, I would open the door. She'd hop only two inches outside the door, but I was fine with that. Right. She'd hop two inches outside the door, go to the bathroom, come right back in.
1: I've seen that with ours. Like, when they're in the crate, they don't go, and yeah. then when she comes out, their bodies are on a schedule. It does seem like yes. – as everything goes, if you keep it going the same every day, they're definitely on a schedule. And they have the ability to hold it. I mean, a broody head will. Oh, yeah. She'll hold it until she goes out twice a day and does her thing. Totally. Yeah. So this question, Holly and I were talking about <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it. It was your question. Do you want to? Yeah, go, go, ha- ahead. go ahead. Oh, Okay. So it's, do you always have to work with a chicken one-on-one or can you do a group session? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs>
0: you could do both. It just depends on what trick that you want to teach them. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's a great question. So if I want to work on a uh, like maybe a more difficult trick, I'm going to pull my chicken aside and work with her by herself. But I mean, you could work with little flock on coming one call, right? Okay. You definitely, you could do something like Uh, Say you have three chickens, and you want to teach them each their name. You work with all three of them at the same time, and when you say one's name, and they come towards you a little bit, they're the one that gets the treat, but the others don't. And that's how you can teach them their names within a flock.
1: Nice. I love it. Yeah, that's great. You
0: could teach them that when you call, when you say chick, 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 whoever comes to you the fastest is going to be the one that gets (laughs) the treat. Now you're gonna have a flock that all comes running. <laughs> yeah. That's what I have. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what?
0: Totally. You you do. It just depends on what you want to work
1: with them on. It, it was so funny because even when I work with my chickens, I always do the, which is kind of a click noise, and they respond yep. to it. Yeah, they do. Yep. They Jeez. definitely respond. So, will these methods work with rescue chickens?
0: Absolutely. No, their name escapes me, but there's a rescue sanctuary in Australia that does a lot of work with the battery hens. Uh-huh. hens and they get them at one or two years of age and they teach them all kinds of tricks. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, I think it really comes down to you're going to get out of it what you put into it.
1: We say that we, all the time. We <laughs> say that all the time because
0: yeah, yeah. We,
1: we think that so many chickens get a bad rap because. People get so many chickens sometimes at one time, and then you don't, you can't handle physically forty chickens at once and make them all love you. And but if you get two yeah. chickens, they will have more of an emotional attachment to you. So we always say, sure. you get back what you put into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we get day old chicks, we're walking around with them stuffed in our shirts all day. Yeah. <laughs> or my husband's like, are they in here again? Yeah. Yes, they're watching TV. <laughs> so we try to just love them as much as possible. <laughs> Yep. yep same here. So we're going to ask the big rooster question Yeah, so the chicken ladies here at, here at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies We are big rooster lovers Probably yep. me more than you So I've worked with a lot of roosters over the years And I think I've come up with some really good methods For training, especially aggressive roosters Yeah But we're just wondering if you have any extra rooster training tips For someone who's having trouble Like, you know, with a rooster that's coming after them Or,
0: yeah.
1: or just um, working with them Just working with them in general Yeah
0: yeah, so if I want to do tricks, I'm going to separate my rooster just like I would separate a hen. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you you know, if you have, in most cases, if you have an aggressive rooster, as soon as you take him away from his girls, he's fine. Yes. And he's, he's probably very, very lovely.
1: Very sweet, yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's that. That's an easy thing to do. You mm-hmm. just remove him from the girls. Working with a rooster and trying to reduce the aggression or trying to reduce the rushing at you, loving mm-hmm. up their feathers, <laughs> obviously, I, I don't think a lot of training can come into play there, mm-hmm. but I think you can work on doing some behavior modification mm-hmm. with that. Not every rooster is going to be cool with it. Not every rooster is going to be cool with every person. Right, right. I think in general, women have more luck training
1: Absolutely. Yeah, world. I would I would definitely mm-hmm. guess that's um, the case.
0: Yeah, but what I've found is most roosters are not going to hurt a human. Both. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they just want to scare you away. Right, right.
1: right. It's a natural behavior. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a the natural what they're,
0: behavior. It's millions of years. Program, um, yeah. and they're programmed, yeah. And the way I figure it is, they're doing their job. Yes. If somebody comes in there that shouldn't be in there, I love it. But what yeah. I've done with my roosters is if they start to you know, flip their legs and look like they're going to come at me, I just very quietly reach my hands down like this, like I'm about to pick him up. And then he goes, oh, uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> This is the opposite of what I want to happen. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then he ends up walking away. So I don't know if that's helpful. It's not really training, but it's just and my experience with roosters and how I, I think felt. just being confident
1: right like you're saying if you're confident when you walk in they know it too they know it um I had to stop my husband we ha- we do have an aggressive rooster and he's enormous Ricardo Montalban um, <laughs> and Ricardo <laughs> Ricardo actually spurred my husband on the foot right through his sneakers um, but when I watched them I think Pete was making eye contact with him and Pete is like 6'6", six, six. Yeah. so there's this huge presence. So w- when, I, so I had two instructions for him. The first was go in with the hoe, which is never yeah. to touch the rooster, yeah. but okay. it's a physical barrier. Yeah. The second was stop making eye contact with him because you're already dominant. You don't need to have a stare down with the rooster. <laughs> and the single thing that over the years I have found most valuable is getting Ricardo off the roost at night, when he's with his girls and bringing him in the house so that he can have one-on-one time with Pete. That's been the single most useful thing. We also read um, um carrying them around. It helps a lot, but when yeah. you have someone who's... Sometimes they're just so awash with testosterone. Oh, yeah. They just... He's huge. He's over 20 pounds, I think. No, he's not quite... I'd say he's more like 15 pounds, but he's really the biggest rooster I've ever he's seen in my life.
0: Wow. Black
1: Jersey wow. Giant.
0: Wow. So. <laughs> wow. You know... One thing that my husband did with one of our roosters, Marlboro, we called him Marlboro because he crowed like,
1: (laughs) the Marlboro man. (laughs) He smoked one too many cigarettes.
0: (laughs) But I said, I know you don't want the rooster to come to you, but I bet you could help out by using treats. So for a week, what he did was every time he went into the barn, he had a handful of blueberries. And I asked him to toss, but of course, he you know, threw yeah. But he threw the blueberries at Marlboro each time he went in. And Marlboro still didn't love him, but he didn't continue to go after mm-hmm. him. And so then, after that, each time he would go in the barn to feed everybody, he would just take a partial scoop of food and kind of throw it at Marlboro. And Marlboro would stop and start eating. And that way, he didn't go after him. So Perfect.
1: Yeah. I think they yeah. mellow as they get older, too. And I think the one thing to learn of all of this is they're highly intelligent and they are workable. So you can work with them at mm-hmm. any age, like Jeannie's mm-hmm. saying, to help with these behaviors and to do different things. So they're and intelligent. It's
0: training
1: the husbands, too. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Mine likes to take scraps back there and then they all run to him and he's like, they love me. Oh, he calls himself a chicken whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So so Jeannie, do you have a favorite breed of chicken?
0: You know, I love my Andalusians. And yeah, I think probably, I think it probably goes back to that was my very first breed. Okay. And so that's kind of where my my heart lies.
1: They're beautiful chickens.
0: Yeah, I think they're gorgeous. So yeah, that's probably my favorite
1: okay we 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 saw a couple places in the book where you <laughs> obviously love the Andalusians and so that's why we did our breed spotlight for this episode our breed spotlight is, is the Andalusians, Andalusians. <laughs> in honor of you <laughs> so we're gonna teach everyone about the yeah. orange, this orange episode. so if you could have everybody take one thing from your book what would it be what would you want them you know the one big thing that they the one should big take takeaway? yeah the takeaway from the
0: book I would With them because they're probably learning right along with you. But if you're patient with them, you're going to have a really really fun journey of training, and you're going to come to understand how clever every single gym is. I just
1: love it. It's, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. So we just <laughs> we want to say thank you, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah, amazing. Fun. Yes, it's been so much fun, and it's so great to meet you. And we're going to send you lots of training videos
0: now. <laughs> I love that. I love to see training videos.
1: And thank you for taking the time to write pretty much the only training book for chickens. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's much needed and much appreciated. All right, yeah. Jeannie, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That was fantastic. And we just want to say it again to Jeannie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Huge you. we had a great you. time. She's so knowledgeable about chickens and it's so wonderful to have someone verify what we already know is that chickens are super intelligent. Oh my goodness. I love talking with her and yeah, it's it just, we see how intelligent they are yeah. as chicken owners and chicken keepers. To have somebody else write a whole book about how smart they are is amazing. Yeah, and even if you don't want to go clicker train your own chickens, pick up a copy of the book just to learn about chicken intelligence and how their little brain works. Oh, definitely. It's a great read. I love when you know, she said computer chip. It's yeah. kind of it's small, yeah. but it's like a computer chip. Right. So true. Yeah. So true. Is. Just want to let everyone know we have a link to buy Jeannie's book in our show notes. There you go. There we go. Now we get to go to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking <laughs> the eggs. So we kept it super simple for this week's cracking the eggs. Deviled eggs five ways. Who does not like some deviled eggs? They're delicious. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> deviled eggs. You you're like, oh man, I can only eat so many eggs. But deviled eggs, you could eat a lot. Of it's deviled amazing eggs. how many you can eat. You know, Pete <laughs> can put a whole deviled egg in his mouth. Oh, down me. the hatch. <laughs> So there's all different kinds of ways to make deviled eggs. Yeah. So we're going to have these recipes on the show notes for you, or these options. Yeah. We have some quick and easy variations, but first, before we get to those variations, let's actually look at how we actually make the devil basic recipe the basic recipe so go ahead so depending on how many of these you want to make you can boil six or 12 eggs and if you were joe 24 24 <laughs> I, you know i'm with them actually literally a glass of white wine and a platter of double eggs sounds amazing to me yeah. <laughs> so you hard boil your eggs depending on how many you're boiling i usually do for about 20 minutes i i normally do like 12 but once the water boils, I do like 12. Everybody has something different. Yeah, it's true. So hard boil your eggs to where you like them. Yeah, exactly. Cool and peel them. Cut each egg in half. Scoop out the yolks. Mash the yolks together with about a quarter of a cup of mayonnaise. A little salt and pepper. Some recipes call for a bit of Dijon mustard. And then here's where you can take it and make it your own. Right. And this is what we're saying. Like Once you get to this point, yeah. be creative And change it up. Right. My mom always did the classic deviled eggs with paprika sprinkled on the top. Oh, my mom did too. Yeah. Yeah. that That was the thing. Everybody had paprika on top of their deviled eggs. Exactly. So we've got our five little variations here. Right. The first one is classic deviled eggs with curry. So... You were saying that you always use the sweet curry. Yeah, the sweet Madras curry powder. I think it goes really well with the yolk and the mayonnaise. The taste right. just blend. And I don't particularly like a hot curry. Right. You could switch it out if you, you could, want to. Yeah, that it's it, this is one of those things. It's whatever you like. We're just giving some ideas. Right. The second one, I would. I have not tried guacamole. Oh, double it's eight. so good. So you can either make some homemade guac or buy it. Whatever you, if you don't have time. And you mix the wok in with the egg yolks. Yeah, you just kind of and then, then roughly you scoop chop it. the egg yolks, yeah. mix it together, scoop it right back in, and then put it in the eggs. The presentation isn't the prettiest, but oh, does it taste delicious? Uh, yeah, that looks like it. now number three is our <laughs> all-time favorite. We have right. to say this, but we really don't have to, but it's true. Yeah. So we all, everybody knows by now that we're Maryland girls, mm-hmm. and Maryland girls are all about old bag. <laughs> On everything. So, right. So we did Maryland crab deviled eggs. Yes. And it's Old Bay. So really, you're doing it the same way as a classic egg. You're going to mix your Old Bay in there. Right. Scoop it back in. Put your lump crab meat on top right. of the whole thing. Right. You're going to keep this one refrigerated because right. that crab meat. Yep. But it is really delicious. Now that's a good one for like maybe Valentine's Day or something. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Especially since you can't go anywhere these days. Right. Okay, so sweet pickle deviled eggs. Kind of self-explanatory. Totally. I, really, I started making this after you made us egg salad with sweet pickles in it, and it did was just delicious. Did you use a relish, or did you use pickles? You can do both. I've done both. Because I think, like, it would just make, kind of change the, the, the consistency of it, a little, of it bit. a little bit, either way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my I can never do salads without some sort of pickle. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Tuna dill deviled eggs. That sounds really good. Amazing. I've never had these like this. It's amazing, myself, yeah. But... I love dill. Yeah. It's so amazing. It smells so so good. And it goes so well with the tuna and the egg. And the only thing I do really is I put some Dijon in this one. Right. A little bit of Dijon, mix the dried dill in, put some nice quality tuna on the top, and then sprinkle a little more dill on it. Oh, yeah. It is fantastic. So these are your five different things that are out there. And for when it's super cold, you can just stay in and you have some eggs. Yeah. Don't have to take the walk of shame, hopefully. Right? as we are always saying.
0: <laughs>
1: so, now that you got your deviled eggs, you're inside, you're warm, you're reading, we just want to talk about one more time about Jeannie Keys' book. Yeah. Click with your check. Click with your check. Please, please, please. You can find her on Amazon. We'll have a link on our show notes to her book right. so that it's very easy to find. Yeah. And take the time to give this book a read. It is very good. I mean, I really
0: loved it a lot.
1: I can't say enough about... Really, what Jeannie has done for changing the image of chickens. They're very intelligent, they're emotive, they're all of those things, all of those things that we chicken keepers know we know but she put it out there publicly right and here's a professional dog trainer saying all of these things about chickens right, are true so she's worked with both right so it's really worth a read so give it a look give it a check it out go buy yourself a copy you won't regret it you won't and eat some deviled eggs while you read. reading <laughs> 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 okay hollyann so let's go ahead and talk about what we're going to be talking about next week next week is going to be another really fun and interesting episode we've been talking about this breed of chicken for a while it is the Java Chicken. Hold your pants on. I love this chicken. <laughs> our main topic is based on a phone conversation that I recently had with Jeanette Beringer who is a senior project manager with the Livestock Conservancy. She was kind enough to take me through the minutiae of how they go about recovering a rare breed. And we're going to be talking about recovering this Java. The Java Chicken, exactly. And then our crack in the eggs is something really fun and interesting. It's Vietnamese egg coffee. So sit while you're sitting with Java chicken. Right? Sounds crazy, but it's a, it's a really <laughs> it's interesting yummy. recipe. We're going to be talking about Baltimore Tea and Coffee Company. So hold on to your pants. It's going to be a great episode <laughs> next week. <laughs> and don't forget. i hug your chicken every day and kiss them too. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to see more of us, follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to support the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening.